Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is the Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who've gotten to know each other while rewatching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Trafair. And I'm Laura. And we've got some alignments we're going to pick out today. Yeah, there's just a few characters left, right? Yeah, we've got this set, and then we'll do another one in April mm-hmm. of the 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 leftovers i guess <laughs> is is what i wrote in the sh- in the like planning notes for cold opens i just wrote leftovers bester corwin lease yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but that's not today today we've got lockley byron and zach yeah almost exclusively season five characters but not quite because zach has been in the show he's just more of a thing now yeah he he is He's got more lines. He's of more prominence in the storyline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was kind of important in the back half of season four, mm-hmm. but yeah, especially while Garibaldi was off, fucking off. So <laughs> yeah, but he really comes into his own. I guess this season. I don't know. Well, he's he's in charge. Uh, he's got a yeah in charge title. So yeah. So why don't we start with him since we're talking about Zach already? Yeah, I'm very curious how you feel about Zach. Zach, to me, is the textbook definition of lawful neutral. Okay. Can you tell me about the lawful part? Because I totally agree on the neutral. Yeah. So lawful is, in in his particular case, the letter of the law. Yeah. Okay. I feel like, well, Garibaldi doesn't really care how he gets stuff done as long as it gets done and it's for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Zach cares a lot more about getting the thing done the way it should be then he does the reasons why he's doing it hmm. the, re- the 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 reason he's doing it is because it's the law that's you know he's yeah. always been you know back with night watch you know that was kind of a very like well i can justify this because it's the law kind of a thing mm-hmm. He doesn't mind. He will occasionally get a little Garibaldi homeschool Yeah, with some stuff. That was the thing that I had latched onto a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I definitely felt the neutral. I was li- drifting more towards true neutral because I was thinking about that, the Garibaldi okay. homeschool, and sometimes we make our own rules. But I think you've talked me into it, the lawful neutral. Yeah. I think I agree because he does, you know, work for the law and he does seem mm-hmm. most of the series to just try to stick with that because he doesn't, I think he kind of knows what he doesn't know mm-hmm. and he's like, well, some other people put this in place and I can just follow the structure. Yeah. And I think even when he does get into that homeschool kind of way, it's very much the Babylon 5 is the frontier, and this is the precedent. Mm-hmm. It's a, well, this is something I've seen Garibaldi do, yeah. so I know it's okay. <laughs> Not a, this is okay. Right, right. <laughs> and um, he is kind of, he's not the, the brightest character. Yeah. I mean, it's he's lovable about it. Um, yeah. 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 I think that he's kind of one of those characters that is using the law as a substitute for having to think too hard. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like, he hasn't done the examination of, like, is this system just? How (laughs) how do I fit into that? Am I just? Like, he's he's pulling out the book 
and looking yeah. at the book and he's like, okay, I did steps one, two, three, time for step four, you know? Yeah. Not a lot of lateral yeah. thought or independent thinking. <laughs> no. No, he's the kind of guy who goes, well, of course it's just, it's the just us system. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> if it has to be, that's the definition of it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. You talked me into it. I agree that Zach is a lawful neutral. Okay. Byron. Mm, okay. So I think that Byron is neutral good. Okay. And I think that because he does have his very strong pacifist streak Mm -hmm. you know uh, some of this is hard to characterize because maybe some of the writing is rushed and inconsistent you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but he gets pretty upset when his folks go out to do violence in the name of their cause yeah he's very pacifistic but he's not above blackmail (laughs) no Yeah, so I'm like, well, he's got some rules about I don't want violence and I don't want to kill people, but I will still manipulate to go for my righteous cause. So that's where I'm coming from. What do you think? Well, admittedly, I self-identify as chaotic good. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Um, If you were to ask me my three, five subclasses, I would say that I'm a paladin of freedom, which is a... There's a whole set of paladins of of concepts rather than gods uh-huh. in three five, and freedom is the chaotic good one, uh, where you care about people being free more than anything else because that is the main defining aspect of anything on the political spectrum for me. Sure, yeah. As I care the most about freedom, freedom from big businesses to live your life, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't translate because I have to clarify now because there's. Where I feel is very close to some libertarian talking points. Right. And I say talking points, not viewpoints, because I don't think most libertarians actually care about freedom. I think they care about talking about freedom. Right. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So maybe more anachronistic, maybe with, with an acceptance of the need of government to do a handful of things. Sure. I don't know. Okay. But- I'm not here to talk about my political alignments, but it does get confusing for me because I hate Byron. <laughs> but I I agree with Byron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is where the writing gets tricky, doesn't it? Because so yeah. especially if you don't like Byron, how do you really analyze the character? Yeah. But tell me what you think. So 100% on good. 100% no doubt. Mm-hmm. Byron has good intentions and he wants his people to be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he thinks the best way to do that is to get them a planet. And he thinks the best way to get them a planet is to blackmail a bunch of ambassadors. Yes. <laughs> so he clearly can't be lawful. Just there's no room for that anywhere in his character. Yeah, agree. And I think his blatant disregard for the law to work towards the means of good puts him more in the chaotic side of things. Mm, okay. But it's very much a blatant disregard for the law not a examination of the law which is where he and i separate Mm. um he wants to do what he's doing because he feels like it's his only option yeah i i dislike a handful of laws because i think we can do better Mm -hmm. so 
separating myself from the character more. Um, but still, I, f- I feel he's chaotic good. Okay. I, I think that we hit on the same points there, but yeah. I we're interpreting it slightly differently in that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's, the, that's his yeah. quadrant, right? For sure. Yeah. He's somewhere yeah, he's in the there. good from the neutral to chaotic spectrum. Definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, how do we feel about Lockley? Lockley? She's, okay, let's put this on the table. She's lawful, right? Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I had written down lawful neutral and scratched it out and wrote lawful good. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> it's all like lawful neutral, eh, lawful good. Like that progression. I have to say both. Not even because the character necessarily has changed significantly since we've been introduced to her. Mm-hmm. She hasn't. But because it's like, it's not that she's changed. It's that I'm examining a little bit deeper and going, okay, she's she's lawful good. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's so interesting. This time we're very aligned on like the quadrant and Mm -hmm. I actually can't decide on Lockley. Um, Yeah. I think I do drift toward good though with you. Um, I'm just remembering Lockley from the episodes we've seen so far. Like I don't really remember anything else in this uh, season with her. And if you call Bester, is that good? Like, I don't know. Uh, but I totally understand why she was doing that. And yes, she did get them a reprieve from Bester in the end, you know, mm-hmm. even if it didn't quite make sense, as we've discussed yeah. before. I, yeah, I think I do drift toward lawful good, but it's one of those things It's very squishy inside. And if you were to ask me to write a, a paragraph explaining my opinion, I would make a very bad paragraph. I don't know. It's just a feeling. It's more than a, yeah. like, I can point to this, that, and the other. Same. Uh, I mean, of all of these characters, uh, I feel like we've even spent more time with Byron than Lockley. Yeah. At least so far. And I don't know that we have. Like, if I were to add up the screen time, <laughs> I don't know that that's true. Is it just that... Time with Byron feels like it's just dragging on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes with Byron is an hour with anyone else. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're at least on the right track with those alignments. Yeah. With that, you know, we're kind of on the edge about a couple of these people, which is funny because we got Babylon 5, season 5, episode 12, the ragged edge mm-hmm. in front of us here. You really nailed it. This is the hundredth episode of Babylon Five. Wow, really? Yep. Huh. The hundredth episode to air. I guess. Yep. So yeah, you have twenty plus each season, right? Yeah. Yeah. The math is mathing. Yeah, the math maths. Wonderful. I mean, this is our hundred fifteenth episode, but you know, we've got our book breaks, our movie breaks, right. our we season did some recaps. Stuff. Mm-hmm. We did the the pilot as two episodes, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it all it all works out. Um, yeah, hundredth episode of the show. That's the only thing I got out of all my research, <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame because I totally thought I recognized one of the Narn here, and like has like I recognized him through the loaf, uh huh, and I couldn't find his name, and it's not credited anywhere, and I'm all like, but I know this guy, but I could not find a. Thing on the internet about mm. it. Could he just but be we'll a repeat Narn? I don't know. No, 
It's someone. It's someone else. Okay. It's someone I know from another show. Interesting. And he's not even like credited, has uncredited well, on IMDb. Point him out when we get there. Because there's several I, Narn I scenes where they speak to Jakar that I think we're probably going to wind up talking about. Yeah. So, but we're not going to start with Jakar. No. We open on Sheridan really needing the Interstellar Alliance to pony up for that DocuSign license. <laughs> Those are so pricey, man. I can, I understand. Yeah. I mean, Outside of Babylon 5 talk, how has DocuSign survived this long? <laughs> it seems like I, I offer no actual identification and I get legal document. I Like, I've purchased a car through DocuSign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done houses and stuff with DocuSign. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, you did not ask for, like, my photo ID anywhere or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, how have you not been hit with a giant fraud lawsuit? Or maybe they have and I'm just unaware. Yeah. Maybe it's coming. But I figure they would have been sued out of existence by now. <laughs> and and if they haven't, I think the next wave of generative AI is going to get rid of them. Mm, that's possible. All, it, it's going to take an AI that can get through CAPTCHA, which we're very close to right now, and then an AI is going to buy a house pretending to be someone, and that's going to be the end of DocuSign. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened, and that's why Sheridan is just buried in paperwork here. Yeah. And he says that being president is 50% paperwork, 50% panic. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's how I'm going to feel in my new PhD program. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Quite possibly. Yeah. Delenn tells Sheridan she's going to propose attacking Earth as a distraction to the council. <laughs> and he's all like, oh, yeah, just give me the paperwork. Not listening. I mean, he's done it. So like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Right? Her turn. Mm -hmm. uh, John makes it to the council meeting, and Delenn is there fuming by herself. The council is boycotting itself until they do something about the attacks. Boy, that's just the way you want to walk in on your wife, huh? Just fuming in a room by herself. Yeah. Hmm. Not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. I mean, at least it's not really his fault. It's a bunch of other idiots this time, you know, a bunch of idiot coworkers. Yeah, yeah they think that they need some kind of witness mm -hmm. to, you know, move the investigation forward and get some answers. Because I guess weren't weren't they putting all the white stars at everybody's borders basically to try to yeah. combat these attacks? Yes, and that is not going well. Yeah, apparently not. It's almost like when you've got 20 member worlds and you're trying to patrol all of the space in between them. Space is big, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but it goes in three dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> Infinitely. Yeah. Forever. And it, right. And everything's getting farther apart all the time. <laughs> They need a break, and we cut over to someone surviving one of these raids to theme. Yeah, it's very exciting. He's got, like, the Star Wars gun, and mm -hmm. he's, you know, trying to take out these bad guys, protect the freighter. It's definitely all Earth ships, Earth freighter, yeah. Earth fighters, or yeah, whatever's see, with them. We see we see some little waspy boys, which are Drazi ships, escorting. Mm, okay, okay. But yeah. It's definitely an Earth freighter. And we get him making it to the escape pod to theme. 
When we come back, Londo and Jakar arrive on Babylon 5, and Jakar notices being noticed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Londo's feeling strangely relieved to be back on Babylon 5. He doesn't really yeah. like going home. That wasn't a very enjoyable experience where they had to smuggle out, you know, imprisoned <laughs> Narn and almost got killed yeah. and what have you. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a shit show this time, and Lando's relieved to be back. The exact opposite of how he normally feels about Babylon 5. Yeah. I don't know. I think he I think he loves yeah. it inside. Talks a big game, yeah. He's, he's always yeah, loved he it inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lando gives us a few lines about how nothing improves Jakar's company quite like the absence of it. <laughs> this was fun. Yeah. This is this is this Lando Jakar banter that saves season five for me in a lot of what would be otherwise middling or subpar episodes. Mm-hmm. This banter is what gets me through. The buddy this banter. Season, 100%. It's weird yeah. that I remember the buddy banter about them the most. And rewatching the show you know i wouldn't say seasons one through four have a lot of actual londo jakar no. buddy banter yeah no they do not hmm. we see garibaldi already fucking up his schedule and he's decided to restart his college collection of empty liquor bottles on top of the kitchen cabinets yeah he's not being very responsible <laughs> no zach wakes him up just in time for his meeting in the president's office where they talk about their knowledge of a survivor. They don't expect much help finding him, as they are likely a smuggler, but Garibaldi has a buddy on the Drazi homeworld who's going to track this guy down, and Garibaldi avoids Franklin coming with him for totally legit reasons, you guys. Yeah, why Why does we want Franklin to go with him? To watch right? his back? Like... <laughs> Oh, we're sending someone off world. Time to send Franklin with them. Yeah. Well, what what is Franklin going to do for Garibaldi's back besides fix it if it gets shot again? Because he's not going to like shoot somebody. <laughs> he he would have been really helpful here. <laughs> Legitimately. Oh, yeah. He would have saved Tafik. And then the other guy, Garibaldi probably would have gotten there faster yeah. and maybe could have saved him. Like, Franklin going makes this not a shit show. Yeah. Very quickly. Which is funny because it doesn't make any sense when Sheridan says it. <laughs> yeah. Even if Garibaldi had still fallen asleep because of the travel, mm-hmm. which I get, um, wh- whether or not I've drank a bottle of Midori, uh, I understand wanting <laughs> yeah. to fall asleep after a long trip. Mm-hmm. Franklin would have just, you know, given him some stims or something, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we need to stay awake for a little bit. Okay, well, maybe you can have these. Yeah. Um, like it just doesn't. It just fixes everything instantly if Franklin is there. Yeah, that's funny. Jakar uh, has lines of Narn looking to just be around him, and we see the guy we were asking about mere episodes ago, Talon. Yeah, he must have heard us. He's coming back. Right. <laughs> Our favorite sword Narn is here, waiting for Jakar. Yeah. We learned that the Kyrie thought Jakar was dead, or going to be dead soon at least. This is so bonkers, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they broke into his quarters, found the book that he was writing, and made copies of it. Yes. They just. A lot of copies. They just assumed that this bodyguard trip to Centauri Prime was a publicity stunt, I guess, and that the Centauri were just going to kill him when he got there. Yeah. 
fair. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> we did see some interesting reaction to him. So, yeah. Yeah. It seems a little premature to break into his quarters, though, right? You just wait for the the voicemail <laughs> that says, oh, they got him. <laughs> you could station a guy outside. You don't need to break in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Talon is here. So convenient. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah, so they took the book home and they've printed a bunch of copies. The King Jim Carr Bible is selling like mad. <laughs> New York Times bestseller outselling the Bible. Yeah. Talon tells him that Jakar is on pace to be outselling the Book of Jaquan. But you can't sell the Book of Jaquan. You have to make your own copy. This is established in canon. Wow. Franklin confronts Garibaldi about why he was shitty earlier. It's not what he said. It's how he said it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know. This is very mature. uh, I like the way he approaches this. It's like, you made me feel and, you know, I'm just worried about you, man. I know this isn't you. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know. I I really like Franklin's approach. He knows. Yeah. He knows something's wrong. And he's had his own struggles with addiction that we've seen in this show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little bit of game recognized game. Like he knows Garibaldi's on the sauce right now. Whether or not he consciously knows, I think subconsciously he knows. Yeah. And they're like flipped here, aren't they? Because Garibaldi was trying the same thing with him back in, was it mm-hmm. season three where we have this plot? The, the walkabout? Yeah. yeah. I think it was season three. Yeah. Garibaldi was doing the same thing, trying to reach out. And you know what? Franklin's mm-hmm. getting the same treatment of being like batted away now. Yep. Oh, so, so sad. Mm-hmm. Jakar meets up with Londo. We find out Londo is colloquially prideful wind catcher in the book of Jakar. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I guess wind catcher is like wind bag. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's full of hot air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garibaldi arrives on the Drazi homeworld in a like 747, but for space. Oh, he's definitely on economy class, right? This is yeah, not good. Is this the 737? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of traffic to the Drazi homeworld. Indeed. We've got, you know, the airsick guy next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we come out onto the Drazi homeworld, we find out something even worse about Garibaldi than yeah. we have already gone over with him. He's a bad tipper. Oh, yep. Yeah. Can't forgive that. <laughs> nope. The music is really impressed with the Drowsy Homeworld. Did you notice that? <laughs> like he comes out on his balcony and it is just swelling and. Yeah you know, majestic. And I wish that the CGI could keep up with the music. <laughs> <laughs> Tafik busts in on Garibaldi's room at the Drazi Homeworld Hilton. Uh, and we get the current status of the survivor. The Drazi government wants him dead because he'll reveal their smuggling. Mm. The smugglers want him dead because he got caught. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get off world. Sure. And we get a bit here as Tafik tells us he's basically already done Garibaldi's job for him <laughs> and pulls out the aforementioned bottle of Midori. We get a bit of world building about the Drazi. Yeah, some nice lore. Give it to us. Yeah, they build their streets 
for walking two to three shoulder to shoulder only mm-hmm. uh, to help repel invaders. Yeah, this feels so like a Roman it's thing. It's got to be a walkable city. Uh-huh. Um, it's a Moroccan thing, actually. Okay, yeah. Which makes even more sense when you look at the Drazi homeworld and stuff. This is likely inspired by the Medina of Fez. Okay. Which is a giant marketplace that is a labyrinth on purpose with like super tight hallways to for this exact reason to repel invaders yeah that's neat i was like this feels very like it's based on something but i couldn't put my finger on it because i don't know enough Mm -hmm. history so thank you for letting me know yeah go ahead and pause us listener and google some youtube uh the medina of fez and you'll see videos of people like going through this and it is clearly inspired. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Franklin gets a call from Earth shortly after all this. Yeah, weird. Yeah, he's got to stop having dinner just... here. He just got his meal. And he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't pay. He doesn't take it to go. He doesn't bring his food with him. He just like leaves it on the table and just gets up and goes. Yeah. Well, maybe it's one of those you pay at the front. <laughs> Yeah, it could be a cafeteria where he's already paid, in which case bring it with him. Right, true, yeah. Just take the plate with you. Mm. You can only be walking at most a quarter of a mile. Like, the station's not that large. Yeah. <laughs> so just carry it on a plate if you don't have time to get it to go to container. Sure. Hopefully you don't have to go through Alien Sector or something where the air's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Your food just like disintegrates from the strange atmosphere you walk through. <laughs> right. Just rice can't survive in the Vorlon methane atmosphere. Oh. <laughs> Tafik uh, gets got here while Garibaldi is drunkenly passed out. I think it's yeah, is what we're supposed to believe I here. I think that's what we're supposed to believe here, but I know I've brought it up. He drinks till he's passed out like three times in a day and a half. Yeah. Not at his age, man. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> he'd be he'd be sung hung over from the first time, I would think. Yeah. He would be the one throwing up on the way down to the 737, right? It's not like he's got an acquired alcohol tolerance at this point. He's been drinkless for years. Right. Yeah. It doesn't get better when you <laughs> haven't been drinking. You become a cheaper date each time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not convinced by the act drunk in this episode or whatever it's not even act drunk it's <laughs> what is it it it's act alcoholic i guess because we don't actually yeah. see much of the drinking and the like drunkenness but yeah it's just him passed out and to be fair jerry doyle did have a history with alcoholism true mm-hmm. and so it might have been something he i know he had expressed we you know we know that he wanted this in the character mm-hmm. because he wanted to be able to use the platform as a as a way to help people learn and deal with and educate. Yeah. Um, so it was his idea to bring that in the character, but maybe it was just too hard for him. Yeah. Could be too hard. Like, you can't go to that emotionally. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get that too. So if that's what's going on, I'm like, I, I saw it and I'm all like, this is not good acting. But then I'm also like, yeah, well, Jerry Doyle was like not a trained actor. Like this is his first real acting gig mm-hmm. and he doesn't do anything with it after this. Yeah. So if this was just like, I'm not looking for an Oscar winning performance out of Jerry Doyle. Like, I know better. I'm not going to ask him for that. Yeah. I think that's unfair of him. Yeah. You know, this isn't a trained actor who is someone who has to learn how to separate experiences from emotions to be able to 
be able to portray them without inflicting trauma on themselves constantly. Yeah. Well, and this is like an interesting layer to put on it when you think about the sort of edit and inclusion of alcohol in this episode. It's very much just like pull out a bottle and then we're passed out. Like yeah. it's glossing over the, the grittier stuff and the dirtier stuff. And that might not just be the show doing that it might be the writing is specifically to make it as easy as possible on the person who is doing the acting yeah yeah so that that makes me feel a little more kind towards you know it's a different interpretation that makes me feel less i don't know adversarial i'm not willing to give jerry doyle a lot of leeway on a lot of things yeah that he felt or did Uh, complicated person yeah but this is one of them, for sure. If 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 that's why this is this way, he 100% gets the pass, and I don't need to question it mm-hmm. or give him any more shit about it. For sure. He wakes up from his stupor. He sees the signal. There was like a laser pointer that we were going to flash mm-hmm. at the given time. But I guess it hasn't been that long since Tafik got got, because the Drazi is still in the hallway. And still like actively beating him up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch that this Drazi was wearing purple and green? I did. Yeah. So maybe we came to like a a final conclusion on that after the Ivanova thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to last five years, yeah. but it must have been done ahead of time. Yeah. Someone won. <laughs> or maybe it's because of Ivanova. Maybe Ivanova won. Yeah. Maybe she leads the Drazi now. I mean, that was my headcanon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, anyways, this Drazi goes and attacks Garibaldi, and Alfredo throws him over the balcony. Yeah, if there's one thing I'm going to pick on in this episode, if I'm going to give Jerry Doyle a pass on the act act alcoholic, um, I am going to pick on the balcony. Did you catch when Jerry <laughs> Doyle backs up into the balcony? It's supposed to be a brick wall, right? Or a stone wall? Yeah. It looks very stone. It visibly shakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like rocking back and forth <laughs> not a very solid construction we like backed it up and watched it again yeah <laughs> uh so garibaldi tries to get down to where he knows to not to feek the the pilot is mm-hmm. and he fights off some non-drazi friar tuck looking fucks. Yeah, not suspicious at all. The the black cloak with the hood up, famously not yeah. suspicious. And we know now that these are centauri under there. Shouldn't there have been a little poof <laughs> from their hair <laughs> in that hood? No, that remember short came back in fashion with Emperor Cartagia. Surely that it didn't go out. Oh, that you're right. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I was going to say maybe the fashion didn't go out that quickly, but Cartagia was pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> nobody does the yeah. mustache anymore of a certain crazy dictator. So the hood should be more fanned out. I think we're in agreement. <laughs> All right. Garibaldi radios to B5 and Delenn answers. Uh, she's going to call him a lift. Yeah, this is a crazy idea, right? <laughs> Just land a white star. On the Drazi home in the middle of a city, he says, "Like there's a park or something." <laughs> yeah, 
in the middle of the city. Like, we're going to land an alien ship and pick up a guy and no one's going to ask any questions. This is not going to make anyone mad. Not at all. Hey, it worked in Star Trek 4, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they had like a cloak though, right? God, I hear Ryan in the back of my head yelling, the cloaking device. <laughs> like I forgot about it. I didn't. Thank you. <laughs> I, I sent a message in the uh, Discord. It's coming through now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is absurd. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's, uh, there's so many questions that are going to be asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We cut over to Green Sector outside of Jakar's quarters. And it is just littered with Narn. Yeah. The Narn problem's getting real bad. Talon tries to get him to just say anything to these people. And he gives a really nice speech here about the Narn only know hate and fighting. And if they're to survive as a species, they need Jakar to teach them how to unlearn fear and hate. Mm -hmm. And he can't do it because he's just a warrior. But honestly, he gives a very eloquent speech here about unlearning fear and hate that would make me believe he could totally do this. <laughs> he's uh, he's underselling himself a lot. Yeah. Anyone who can put together the sentence, you have an unfair advantage because I carry my sword in my hand and you carry yours in your heart, mm-hmm. is more of a poet than they're giving themselves credit for. Definitely. Definitely. They've got a sword in their mind, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jakar is saying that his argument is all of his life he's risked his own life. But I was like, mm-hmm. is that true though? <laughs> 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 he's like, I don't want to risk the lives Good of all of these it. people, but it's like, I think you've risked the lives of some people, Jakar. <laughs> he for sure has. Yeah. Um man, it's weird how the Vorlons are still influencing evolution from they're gone now beyond yeah yeah because this is what they were pushing when he had his like crazy drug trip right Mm -hmm. uh so the Narn are going to move into a next phase of evolution thanks to the Vorlons yeah the Vorlons yeah and so much of what is of what Jakar is saying is so directly taken from that dream in Kosh uh-huh. too. Yeah. And when when in a couple of scenes where there's the the guy who gets his face slammed in the book, you yeah. know, he's all like, This is divine inspiration. The book has to be wholly true because it was divinely inspired when you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, we'll get to that when we get yeah. there. But that's also very Vorlani to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jakar invites them all in to talk while Garibaldi's uh, work performance is already suffering a big drop. And it was barely passable, if passable, before. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He looks rough. He's yeah. He's back. He has not been to med lab yet. No. You know, he believes the hooded figures weren't drowsy. And he talks about like... When you punch a drowsy, you feel this. And when you punch somebody else, you don't feel that. And he managed to get a button off of somebody. Yeah. Which is super awkward in a few minutes when Londo comes in. Londo runs in, bitches about the elevators, pours himself a drink, 
and immediately clocks the button as being from a royal guard. And everyone's just like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is a a nightmare, right? To be just like a fly on the wall in this conversation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The secondhand embarrassment (laughs) is really strong with this. Yeah, it's it's a lot. He goes off on a whole tangent where it's all like, no, this button only let me go on three layers deep on this button real quick just to prove that there's no chance anyone else would have it. Yeah. It has this emperor symbol from 2000 years ago, all this shit. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that's pretty definitive. Whoever had that button must have been a Centurion Royal Guard. Mm. That's real weird. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the the OPSEC from the Centauri government is not great, right? <laughs> that you would send your royal guards to this alien planet to do this assassination. In their uniforms and just give them yes. cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are no street clothes for Centauri guards. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> no off-duty uniform to put on. Uh-huh. This is bonkers. There's a lot of bonkers in this episode. Just yeah. from, like, plot points. After Londo leaves, Delenn, Sheridan, Garibaldi, and Jakar are all in the room. So, basically, Londo mm-hmm. just, like, breezed in and breezed out at some point. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out what to do. Like, they, they don't believe yeah. Londo would be involved in this. No. They come to the conclusion that Londo is likely the informant. Yeah. The informer. Yeah. Uh, unwittingly. Uh, but unknowingly. Yeah. yeah. D- importantly, they, they believe that Londo is still fundamentally at heart a bumbling idiot even though he's also done a genocide (laughs) yeah and they wonder if it would be helpful to let him in on everything but jakar who has certainly more perspective on what things are like on centauri prime because he was just there for reasons you know tells them that londo it will get killed if they try to let him in because just even the act of letting him in will cause him to bulldog with too many questions or now they know he's in, you know, he's going to not make mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's going to be real difficult for Londo to survive without knowing exactly which side. Was it the side that's is the side that doing this, the side that's also the one that's saving his life constantly? Right. Because we don't want to piss those people off before he's emperor. Right. There's too much unknown on Centauri Prime. So what they decide to come back to is we'll just keep quiet, but Jakar has to go with Londo next time he goes yep. to Centauri Prime to observe. Yep. This makes more sense now yeah. <laughs> than just sending him instead of Talon earlier. Correct. Yes. Now now it makes sense. Franklin makes a diary entry on his difficult decision about leaving the station. We'll get more details on that in a minute. But before we do, we see Jakar giving someone the book. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that I recognized but couldn't place. Yeah. This Narn who's questioning him. I feel like I've seen this guy before, too. I think I feel like he was another Narn or maybe another alien at some point. Yeah. I know that one of the Narn followers in this episode is a guy who's like in a ton of others. Like he's been other Narn and other Drazi and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at a picture of him without the makeup, it didn't look like this guy. Mm. 
But that's also, you know, there's like 20, 30 years in between this and that picture. Yeah. So it's really hard to say. Hmm. There's a guy who's like a ton of aliens. We've talked about him before. Yes. He's the Guinness World Record holder for most different aliens or something that he's portrayed. That's awesome. That's the record you want. Yeah. <laughs> Jakar is giving his lecture about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this guy mm-hmm. just cannot accept that the author may have gone through a transformation and growth during his book, <laughs> during the writing of his diary. It's his diary, basically. Like, right? do you not go through, listener, if you keep a diary, do you not go through some transformation just through the process of writing in your diary? I don't know. This right. this Narn does not get it. And Jakar... They're a real Jakar fundamentalist. <laughs> to Jakar's face when he's disagreeing with him, which is just astounding to me. Uh-huh. Like, to draw a parallel, a Christian fundamentalist today mm-hmm. saying the Bible says these things, we have to wholly accept the Bible. This is clearly what this is supposed to be drawing right. a comparison yes. to, mm-hmm. in my eyes, is one thing. Can you imagine that person arguing with Jesus? Right. <laughs> That's the the audacity of this man is so impressive to argue with the author about his own intent. And I said, help the poor bitch. Do it. <laughs> it's just amazing. I love it. Oh. oh. Yeah, it's just it's chef's kiss for me. hundred percent. Yeah. The uh, smack at the end, the punchline on this whole bit is extremely satisfying. (laughs) Yeah. We cut back over to Franklin, who tells Sheridan he's taking over the xenobiology department at Earth Dome from Dr. Kyle. Hey, I'm glad he's still around and alive and not, like, assassinated for his knowledge or something. (laughs) Yeah. What a relief to hear. Yep. He's going to be able to do his ISA work even more efficiently because he's going to have a lot more staff. Mm. He's going to have a lot more access to a lot more things. Sure. And Sheridan, like every shitty boss in history, can't be happy for his employee getting a better job somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Sheridan is a little amusing here. You can't leave. I need you. I just haven't been bothered to tell you that until now. Mm -hmm. Right. I bet that this, you know, this extra, what was he, chief medical officer of the ISA or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you think that that's all title, right? There's no credits and salary attached to that yet. Nah. No. It's just on top of your regular job. (laughs) Yeah. We've we've established that Sheridan is really against taxes. So I doubt the ISA has any money coming in to be able to pay anyone. Yeah. The accounting implications of this whole interstellar alliance are staggering. <laughs> I'm sure that it's just Delens just taking care of it in the background with Mimbari money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she sold a few crystals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. The Mimbari are lousy with credits. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Sheridan does eventually accept his resignation, though. Yeah. What a Michael Scott motherfucker. Sheridan is the worst boss ever. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even say like you have to do what's best for you he has to say you have to do the right thing implying that he, this is only the right thing mm-hmm. because he'd be better at his isa job for sheridan yeah 
I thought the right thing was an interesting choice of words there. Such bullshit. Yeah. I I have had colleagues like this in management. Yeah. And fuck them. <laughs> like, if you can't be happy for someone finding a better job and improving themselves, mm-hmm. what are you doing in leadership? You do not deserve to be in leadership. You should really reconsider your life choices. That's very true. I feel very fortunate that I don't think I've had many of these bosses. Like, yeah, I, I somehow have lucked into good leadership at the two main places I've worked in my career so far. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's so frustrating. He manages a half-assed congrats and a handshake. And Alfredo is already passed out drunk again, missing Franklin's call. Yeah. Another empty bottle of whiskey. The same empty bottle of whiskey. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I don't love that subplot, but... I mean, you're not supposed to enjoy it. Right. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. Well... Now's the time to discuss subplots and our enjoyment of them, because it is time to rate the episode. On our scale of Babylon's 1 to 5, Jafar, how do you feel about the Ragged Edge? I am real middle of the road on this episode. That's fair. There are parts of this episode I like. There are parts of this episode I don't like. Mm -hmm. I think if we remove our Lando Jakar banter and we remove Jakar giving that guy the book, if if we remove... just Jakar from this episode yeah. and have everything else happen exactly how it does. This episode's probably a like one and a half, two for me. Yeah, for sure. But Jakar, Andreas puts in some fucking gems mm-hmm. in this episode. He makes this episode for me. Him and Peter's banter mm-hmm. is just on fucking point, which makes this a middle of the road episode for me. I'm going to give it three out of five. Yeah, I got to do the same. It's definitely three out of five for me. And the banter is so good. Uh, But then you have other things that you're like, WTF. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, landing the White Star in the middle of the city. And the (laughs) Centauri guards don't ever go out of uniform on a mission. Like, (laughs) I'm just like, oh, that's, that's getting hard to suspend the old disbelief there. Yeah. But on the flip side of the coin, whenever Londo and Jakar are buddying back and forth, I want to be like the third wheel to that. Like, I would gladly <laughs> just hang out just to observe friends yeah. having that much fun and, and talking together. So yeah. it balances out. It's a nice average episode of Babylon 5. Speaking of friends just hanging out and bantering together. Sure. Next episode. We'll be joined by Jeremy Siegel. Yeah. Our composer is going to make an appearance. I have some questions. Do you have questions? My only question is our customary question whenever we have someone on for the first time, which is, who are you? Uh, Also, I've chatted with Jeremy a couple of times, like over text, but I've never had an actual conversation with him. It's going to be your first. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in what is a storied history of this podcast, introducing us to people, <laughs> namely each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will also get to meet Jeremy and have our first conversation be on podcast. So that will be fun. Yeah, that's always a great time. Um, yeah. But we're going to be talking about season three, episode 13. The core is mother. The core is father. While 
tracking an unstable telepath trainee on Babylon 5, Bester instructs two interns on the motives of the Psychor. Oh my gosh. A guest and a Bester episode? Right. This is amazing. We're going to be doing it up next It week. has the makings of a five out of five for our podcast. I hope so. Yeah. We'll see when we get there. I haven't watched the episode yet. But I think this is like famously one of the better episodes of season five. Oh, good. I'm excited. It's, it's this and the fall of Centauri Prime are like the episodes in this season. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm looking forward to it. Same. I almost just watched it yesterday when I was taking notes, but I held off. All right. Well, hey, speaking of Jeremy Siegel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy, for composing our theme music. We really appreciate it. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com or on streaming services as Nuclear Jaguar. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast. Really appreciate making us sound smart, probably. I hope. I don't know. God, I hope. I hope so. smarter than i feel when i say stupid things and into the void of the internet yeah i know that feeling is real (laughs) thank you to you the listener for listening to our thoughts that we just spill into the void of the internet we really appreciate you uh you can interact with us on our discord uh we're on the social medias Mm -hmm. and you can hit us up if you're old school send us an email who are you b5 at gmail.com Oh, yeah. Please send us your season five thoughts Mm -hmm. to the email. It'll be time to wrap up before you know it. Yep. So we appreciate that so much. Thank you, listener. And we'll see you next week, Internet. Bye. blankless, speechless, nothingness void that is the internet. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Infinite, infinite, ever-expanding blackness that is the internet. (laughs) Darkness upon all edges that is the internet.